Let's pray that God will help us to hear and understand and obey his word. Lord God, please be merciful and kind to us now and enable us to understand your word. We pray that we would rejoice in what we hear and would seek to obey, trusting in the work of Jesus on the cross and the work of your spirit in us. Amen. Well, the following names have been changed, but the stories themselves are all too familiar. Kate. Kate had been at her local church for years. It's a, it's a lovely, peaceful building with a few well-kept rose bushes out the front in a lovely, peaceful, well-kept suburb. And Kate enjoys the comfort of her usual Sunday routine amidst what is usually a really hectic week in the rat race. She can turn up on Sunday and just take her usual spot in the pews there, just four rows back from Jenny. And Kate enjoys the quiet reflection of the Sunday routine. The demands of the week just fade away. In fact, no one really demands anything of Kate at church at all. And this is why, in two decades of being there, Kate has never even spoken to Jenny. In fact, Kate doesn't even know her name. Now, Kate occasionally feels a bit guilty about this, but it's, it's far too awkward to attempt friendship now. Surely, and surely Jenny's got other people to talk to, right? What if she's a bit, you know, strange or awkward? At the very least, it's, it's the minister's job. It's the minister's job to look after everyone. Andy and Sue, they love that their, their church's kids' ministry is so vibrant. But having said that, Gee, it's, yeah, it's really hard to actually get out the door in the morning and get the kids to church regularly. I mean, there's just so much to do on the weekend. Looking after the house, taking kids to sport, letting alone, let alone getting any time for themselves. It just it never seems to stop. Andy and Sue know that this time in life is busy. All their friends are just as rushed. But sometimes it just seems too much. By Sunday, it's, it's hard enough to make it to church let alone sticking around for morning tea and using more energy for conversations with people. They don't really need any more friends right now. So why invest time in getting to know people? And forget saying yes to the minister who who just asked them to host a Sunday lunch for newcomers. No no way. Is he kidding? With the kids as young as they are, where on earth would they find time to fit in their schedule? But Ben, Ben's not like these others. He could probably tell you everyone's name at church. And he knows that he's lucky to hear good gospel preaching each week. And he gets on well with his minister. They have a good laugh most Sundays. And Ben even helped out with the kindy class in Sunday school last year. Now Ben's a pretty easygoing bloke. He grew up in a big family, so some of the odd characters at church don't really faze him that much. He's a pretty relaxed guy. In fact, Ben reckons the secret to keep thinking, keeping things ticking along at church is just to relax about it. Not to push too, people too hard, not to have those awkward conversations at morning tea, to ask personal questions. Because being polite goes a long way for Ben. You just need to 
be polite and then put up with people who are a bit strange. You don't want to pry into their lives. So it's best to just keep relationships confined to Sunday. And church is important, but Ben would never give it up. But he just doesn't think that working hard to get to know people is worth it. Well, can you relate to Kate or to Andy and Sue or to Ben? Sometimes investing in our Christian brothers and sisters is hard work. I mean, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. But sometimes other Christians are too much hard work. I have a relationship with God. But sometimes my brothers and sisters in Christ are hard to love. Because getting yourself into a relationship with strange, sinful people takes energy and time. You might have a different background from them. You might even have to cross a cultural boundary to talk to them. And I would never say I hate anyone. I'd never say that. But wouldn't it just be easier to talk to and deal only with Jesus? I mean, he's got it all together and he's always on my side. Why can't I spend my Christian life without having to give up what I want for other people? I love Jesus. But sometimes I can't handle Christians. Well, John has some strong words for me today. And we'll all need our Bibles open at 1 John 4 and verse 7 as we see what God has to say to us. John gets right to it. He tells us up front what he wants us to do. And it's very simple. It's very simple. Here is your take-home application. Love one another. Right at the start in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7, we read it. Have a look. 1 John 4, 7. Dear friends, let us love one another. This is John's main message here. And it's crystal clear. We are to love our Christian brothers and sisters around us. There's no hidden agenda with this passage. There's no secret message to be unlocked. John is crystal clear about what he wants us to do. Love one another. Easy, right? Well, if we're honest about what we think of our Christian brothers and sisters sometimes, it's not as simple as it sounds. It's hard work. Hard work. So would it be okay to take a break sometime? Just once in a while, take a break from loving. Surely other people would pick up the slack. If we sit back and don't get into loving our brothers, what do we lose? What's the problem with taking a break from love? Well, according to John, there's massive problems with that. Massive problems. And John spends the rest of this passage telling us the problems with Christians not loving each other. And I think he's got five problems Five problems with Christians not loving each other. So here we go. Big problem number one. If you don't love your brother, you don't have the family likeness. If you don't love your brother, you don't have the family likeness. John says that we should love one another because love is the family trait of Christians. It's the defining feature of people in God's family. It's the main sign that we are God's children. 
And this family trait is defined by the head of the family, God himself. You might have already noticed the source of this family likeness in verse 7. Have a look again at the first half of verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. John tells us the source of, source of love here. Love comes from God. And he then he goes, to, goes on to tell us that love is visible proof that we're in God's family. He says that if you love, you're born of God. You're one of God's children. So have a look at the rest of verse 7 there. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. That's a great thought. That's an amazing truth. But the opposite is true too. If we don't love, then we're not showing the family likeness. The two things go hand in hand, being in God's family and loving. You can't have one without the other. Look at verse 8. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Now, I was born in New Zealand 31 years ago. My father is a librarian with a keen eye for detail, a keen eye for detail. My mother teaches English, and she has a knack for careful communication. From those things, you should be able to tell some things about me. You should expect me to show some particular family traits. And yes, I do like books. And I try to choose my words carefully. Those things are thanks to mum and dad. And it's natural for me to show the family likeness. It's natural for me to resemble mum and dad. And if I didn't resemble mum and dad at all, you'd start to ask some awkward questions about where I came from. And uh, just to head off the inevitable questions from the rugby fans among you, yes, I do support the All Blacks. It's a Kiwi family trait, you see. It would be unnatural for me not to support them. Friends, showing love is the family trait of Christians. If we don't love our brother, we aren't showing the family likeness. That's John's first big problem with Christians who aren't loving. If you don't love your brother, you don't have the family likeness. Okay, now John has another problem with me. Problem number two, if I give up on on loving my brother. The second big problem is that if I don't love others, I'm ignoring the love God has shown me. The mind-blowing love God has shown for me. How ridiculous is that? How stupid? How dull must I be? How hard is my heart if I ignore what God has done for me in Jesus? But that's exactly what I'm doing if I don't love my brother. I'm ignoring God's love for me. Now John outlines God's love for us in the section from verses 9 to 11. And his conclusion is to say, look at that. Look at that. Look how much love God has poured out on you. Now if you can see God's love, then go and love each other. See, his logic goes like this. God has shown his love towards us in Jesus. God is love. But he hasn't kept that love to himself. He's he's poured it out on us. Jesus' life and death was God's love raining down on the world for everyone to see. 
God's love consists in Jesus dying as a sacrifice. A sacrifice that fixes things between us and God. God has loved us. His enemies. Verses 9 and 10 say, have a look there. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Sometimes we may be tempted to keep God's love to ourselves. I might be tempted to rest easy knowing that God has loved me, but then not to show it, show that love to other people. Well, Jesus told a parable against that attitude, and we read it before in Matthew chapter 18. Do you remember the, the, the king and his two servants? One, one servant gets forgiven a huge debt, and yet that servant shows no mercy, no forgiveness, no love to his fellow servant. He, he receives the king's love, yet he won't share it with his fellow servant. How can we be so happy sometimes to receive God's love and yet be too mean-spirited to show it to other people? God has shown me love. And since God loved me in an incredible way, I can't not love others. That's the conclusion John reaches in verse 11. Have a look at verse 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, We also ought to love one another. Dear friends, since God has shown us amazing love, how can we turn around and not love others? And so, if I don't love my brother, I'm ignoring God's incredible love for me. To give up on loving my brother is to ignore God's mind-blowing love. That's John's second big problem. Okay, problem number three. If you don't love your brother, you can't have confidence. You can't have confidence. And in particular, you miss out on two types of confidence. Confidence now, in the present, that God lives in you. And then confidence for the future on Judgment Day. Verses verses, 12 to 18 of chapter 4 John tells us that if we do love one another, then we have rock-solid proof that God lives in us and that we have nothing to fear on Judgment Day. And if we're loving others, then we, we can be confident, confident in those things. Firstly, our, our love for others shows that God is with us. You see, how can you, how can you really know that God is alive in you, that you're truly one of God's people, that you're really born of God. I mean, for a start, God is invisible. How can you know if God lives in you? Well, John tells us that even though God is invisible, our love shows God. It shows that he is living and working in us. If we love our brother, we can be confident that God lives in us that we really are born of God. You can see it there in verse 12. 
No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. John then goes on to give us a few more reasons that we can know that this is true, that that we live in God. John says, it is God the Spirit himself who makes us sure that we live in God, live with God. And then John says that we can rely on and have confidence in the love of God that we see in the message of the gospel. Look again at verses 13 to 16. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. If you live in love, you can have confidence now that God lives in you. And John continues in this theme of confidence to talk about confidence for the future. When we love, John says, it should drive out the fear of God's judgment. When we show love, it's proof that God is alive in us and he's working in us to make us like Jesus. And if God makes us perfect and we're in Jesus on judgment day, then we're safe. John says in verses 17 to 18, In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. If we love one another, we should not fear judgment day. If we do love our brother, we can have great confidence, not just in life now, but for the future. But if we can't be bothered to love, if we think it's not worth the effort, we have reason to be worried. Then there's no evidence that we should live fearlessly before God. This is another one of John's problems with a lack of love. The third problem, if I don't love my brother, I can't have confidence. Now John's next problem, problem number four, is with people who claim to love God but don't love their brother. It's with people for whom loving God is all just theory. You see, it's easy to love God in theory, isn't it? To just say, yes, I'm a child of God, I'm a Christian. But John says it's just theory if you don't love your brother. John's back on his main point here. You can't claim to love God if you don't love your brother. If you say, I love God, but you hate your brother, you're a liar. You just all talk. These two things can't be both true. You you either love God and love your brother or you hate your brother and show that you have nothing to do with God. You can't love God if you don't love your brother. John talks about love in terms of what you can see and what you can't see. 
you can't see God. You can't physically touch him. But you say you love him. At least that's what you say. So then John wants our actions to follow what we say. Your brother is right here. You can see him. You can touch him. You can talk to him, help him, provide for his needs. The way we can see your love for God is in your actions. It's how you treat the people around you. So if your actions towards your brother don't match up with your claim to love God, then your claim is worthless. You're a liar. Strong words. This is what John says in verses 19 to 20. Have a look. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Friends, if we don't show love to our brothers and sisters, our love for God is just theory. Well, John has been hitting this point over and over. If you don't love your brother, there's something seriously wrong with your love for God. But he puts up one more problem in this passage. His final problem with us, if we don't love our brother, is this. You can't say you love God and then not obey him. And he commands you to love your brother. The point is we must love our brother because God has told us to. Loving our brother is is how we obey God. And in fact, obeying God is how we love God. It's, It's what shows our love for him. You can't say you love God and then completely ignore what he tells you to do disobey him and disregard him there are three things working together in this final section of the passage we have our love for God our obedience to God and our love for other Christians and those three things work together and they're all intertwined see if you if you love God then you'll obey him and if you're obeying God doing what he says then you'll be loving your brother Because he's told you to. And by loving your brother, it shows you love God. So as we read again from uh, chapter 4, verse 21, through to 5, verse 4, the last section there, as we read that, see how love and obedience are connected together. So 4, verse 21. And he has given us this command. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. This is love for God, to obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. Love must come with obedience. Because our love springs from obedience to God. We love others because this is what God has told us to. So you can't say that you love God and then just disobey him. So what is this command to us? Love one another. Tonight God's word has been clear to us. There's no place for indifference towards each other, is there? 
If you don't love your brother, you're not showing the family likeness. If you don't love your brother, you're ignoring God's love for you in Jesus. If you don't love your brother, you can't have confidence before God. If you don't love your brother, you're just all talk. And if you don't love your brother, you're disobeying God, not loving him. There are countless ways we can love each other, aren't there? Countless ways in which we can support and care for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Unlike Kate, we can't just say, can't just stay in our comfort zones when it comes to love. And in the busyness of life, it's all too easy to make excuses like Andy and Sue, to give reasons why we, we can't care for others, just, just not right now. We are called to reflect God's love to others. And like Ben, if we think that investing in relationships isn't worth it, we're not just being relaxed about love. We're being disobedient. Yes, Christians can be hard to love sometimes. Sometimes it's easier just to take a break. But God's word is clear. You can't love God if you don't love your brother. So, brothers and sisters, let's love one another. Let's pray. Father God, we ask that you would work in us by your spirit to help us truly love one another. Help us to invest time and energy into getting to know each other, into serving each other's needs, and and into praying for each other. We thank you that you have shown us your love in Jesus. But we are sorry that we are so often indifferent to each other. Help us, Lord, to show the family likeness to live confidently in love and to obey your command to love. In Jesus' great name, amen.